This is Channel 253. In this episode of Interchangeable White Ladies. Annie Jansen brought up heap eating. And I was like, what's heap eating? And hopefully everybody knows. The guy who's repeating, he peating, get it? Um, <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. But it's good. not good. That's the whole thing. It's not good. It's so, but I think there's a so much better between... than mansplaining. <laughs> Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. One, two, two. interchangeable. White ladies! Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Megan. So today's essential question as we move into the month of March is how can we intentionally highlight, honor, and celebrate forgotten women in history, think women of color, trans women, indigenous, etc., during March, which is the um, Women's History Month? But first, a word from our sponsor. Money. Scratch. Loot. The stuff that makes the world go round. The format of your funds says a lot about you. Paper bills and metal coins are for retirees who don't trust technology. Kids who still believe in the tooth fairy. And working people whose employers deal exclusively in cash. A practice that can be exploitative and leave workers vulnerable. Everyone else has a debit card, but pushing numbers around in an app can make you feel dead inside. Fortunately, there is hope. You can take your fiat currency to a whole new level of meaninglessness with Dogecoin. Don't have $55,000 to buy one single Bitcoin but still want to dip your toe in crypto? Inspired by the investors of Reddit taking on Wall Street and blasting shorted stock to the moon? Want your money to be represented by a super cute dorky dog from a meme? Look no further than Dogecoin. It may only be worth five cents on any given day, but that just means you can buy a whole lot of it. Is there a chance it may never gain value? Yes. Is crypto mining pumping more CO2 into the atmosphere than some large cities? Also, yes. Do crypto adherents adopt cult-like qualities about their investments? Certainly. But there's no time like the present to fully divorce yourself of physical reality. Dogecoin. Because, wow, much coin, how money? So crypto, please mind very rich, very currency. Invest today. Megan, admit it. You have definitely dabbled in cryptos, haven't you? You caught me. I have. I've done it. I've done it. And How also- many cents have you paid for Dogecoin? <laughs> uh, I have um, purchased probably like 200 Dogecoin, so about 25 cents. I think I've said. <laughs> Honestly, that's more than I expected from you. Mm-hmm, Not mm-hmm. going to lie. Mm-hmm. So here's my challenge for you, Megan, and all of our listeners. Uh, if you found 25 bucks, or what did you just say? How much did you spend? 20, 25 cents, but make it 25 25 bucks. cents. Let's go ahead and, you know, uh, spread that out a little bit. If you found a few bucks to buy some Dogecoin this le- last month, our challenge for listeners today is to find a few dollars more and contribute or donate to a woman-centered organization. And so we'll talk about a lot of amazing groups and organizations in this episode that you can contribute to. Mm-hmm. And plus, I'm sure many of our listeners uh, um, have some of their favorite organizations. We will um, 
get a thread going on Twitter and social media so that you can respond there and and find some other organizations that you want to support. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like if you can spend money on something called Dogecoin, <laughs> you can absolutely find some some dollars to donate to a women centered organization during um, the month of March. For real, exactly. So, um, how the heck did March become the Women's History Month, like officially recognized in the U.S.? Do you know? Oh, good question. So, um, it actually happened in 1980. Carter officially proclaimed it the the week of March 8th. So it started as a week, uh, much like Black History Month, which started as um, a week in February. Mm-hmm. Um, Women's History Month month started as a week in March as um, Women's History Week. Then Congress passed a resolution that eventually expanded into an entire month. Yeah, that's awesome. Actually, before we get more into it, is there, we talked our last episode about Black History Month and all the things that you were working on or ways we were um, planning to celebrate with our students and just help them think about it. Uh, did ha, Do you have any reflections like post, I mean, it's literally the last day of the month for you. Mine's already finished mm-hmm. the 28th. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything that you thought of or realized kind of since that conversation in this last month? That's a really good question. Um I think that how much more intentional teachers are having to be right now to incorporate things that feel out of the ordinary Hmm. um, or feel like extra or added on. Um, And I think that that's a really, you know, it's a telling thing. And it's actually a good thing if you reflect on it of why do those like, why do those lessons feel like they're extra? Why are they not just mm-hmm. more integrated and incorporated into the work that you're doing as a teacher? And I've been reflecting on that as well, is why why does that feel like it's extra mm-hmm. um, or something special? I don't want, like, my goal in my practice is to make it so that it doesn't feel like that. Yeah. Um, I don't want those parts of my lesson or those lessons to feel like something that I like that don't feel natural to the work that I already do. And I think I haven't yet fully accomplished that. And I think part of that is that I'm still a fairly new teacher. Um, but I, I hope to reach a place where it just feels like a natural extension of the work that I am doing. And it's just integrated so well into across the entire year. Mm-hmm. that it doesn't have to be as conscious as it still is. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah. Um, well, I think last time I talked a lot about the different activities we were going to try to do at the school. And one of the things um, that's just really come out for me this month is, like you said, being intentional about it. And even if it's something new or you're not sure how it's going to go, like taking that risk to do it. So it's funny because as much as I like have tried to incorporate a variety of things over the years, um, as an experienced teacher, I still get, you know, nervous about like, oh, is this going to feel inauthentic or fake? And so I've had, you know, this month in my English classes, students writing about different quotes by different famous people of color, black people, I should say, um, specifically. And today our journal prompt was like, what have you learned this month about black history? So I gave them a three questions, you know, why do you think it's important? Or what have you learned? Or what are some things that you would like to learn more about? And I opened it up to them talking about anything they learned, because some teachers have really been 
focused on this and acknowledging the fact that a lot of our kids are learning on social media and their own Netflix cues, you know, so it's like nothing to do with us at the same time. And so it was a really cool opportunity for them to reflect and to share. Um, And they had some really good insights and things that they didn't know about. Um, For those that follow me on Twitter, I hosted, I helped host with the student council here. It's like our ASB, um, a viewing of 13th this last week. And it was just so powerful. Like I screenshotted some of the conversations because I was like, how are these kids having this conversation? It's (laughs) way better than adults, I know. And so I just put that in like a little encouragement folder, you know, so I can come back to. But just things students are realizing or starting to connect the dots. Um, And it's really great that young people are, I don't want to just, yeah, I don't know how to say it, but the fact that young people are having these realizations now are so important for the trajectory that we are on as like humans <laughs> and humanity, yeah. right? So, so many adults who don't realize this stuff till they're 20, 30, 40, 50 years old. And these 15, 16, 17 year olds are, they're like, oh, racism is systemic. Oh, prison pipeline. Oh, okay. You know, like, oh, yeah, um, infrastructural amazing. rights to vote. Oh, redlining. Like they're, they're, they get it and they understand how it's connected. And they're like, oh, okay. That explains why things are mm-hmm. the way today and why we still have the first black whatever, fill in the blank, we're still hitting those markers in different Uh industries when it feels like we shouldn't be doing that in 2021. I've hesitated to talk too much about my um, ASB and us reading cast um, plug. It's our next book club. Please read with us. Um, Hurry up and finish reading before the 13th. We're about to record our um, our episode about that. I think it's coming up in March or we're recording in March. March 13. Yep. yep, yep. Um, so I just really, really, really want to encourage everybody to do that. But just hearing you say that, that I have had the absolute honor to facilitate conversations with some of the brightest and thoughtful and um, wonderful young leaders in our community right now and hearing them dissect a book like cast with each other and watching them have knowledge and words put behind the feelings that they have been feeling for much of their lives yeah. has been so powerful. And, and seeing them recognize that mm-hmm. I think that Every conversation, every reflection that they turn in, at least one person was like, I know I have always felt this. I know I have always felt this. But to hear it, to read it as fact, Mm -hmm. right, that there is a reason for it, that there is meaning behind it, I think is just amazing. And so just... I was watching along as you were posting on your Twitter about like these really amazing things that your school was doing with the school community. And I was just really inspired to try and expand the conversations I'm having with my ASB to my school as a whole as Mm -hmm. well. Because if you just engage and initiate these conversations with young people right now and you just sit back and listen... Yeah. The last conversation I had with my students regarding this, I just ended it with saying like, (laughs) listening to y'all gives me hope for the future. Yeah, it does. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of the times students just need um, a platform or like the organization, like, Hey guys, the permission, I don't know if it's permission. I don't know if they're just structured that way or what like condition. Right. So mm-hmm. um, I've been in a few meetings with student and student organizers in the last couple weeks. And that's really what it is. It's like, Hey, you all want to do something with this? 
great. What do you want to do? And then they're just coming up with all these fantastic ideas. And I'm like, you got, you got time for this? Like you're taking some really hard classes and like doing a million other things for your family. Mm -hmm. Like how do you have time for this? But it's inspiring. They're inspired. Right. And so they're like, oh yeah, I'll build this website to showcase these women that I'm going to reach out to. I'm like, what? Like, Really? Okay. Like, mm-hmm. great. And it's a thousand times better than any idea that any adult had. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. So, absolutely. And so yeah. it just makes me think, how do you bring that same energy into spaces like Women's History Month? Yep. Right. And so how do you create space for them? Um, or how do you create space for those same types of conversations in Women's History Month? How do yeah. you respect and honor, you know, in our essential question, that intersectionality behind, I think it's a beautiful thing that Black History Month leads into Women's History Month and um, can really set the tone for the way that you tackle hmm. um, your intentionality around Women's History Month mm-hmm. in the month mm-hmm. of March. Mm-hmm. Well, and in particular, we're in an international school context as well. And so it's been interesting in talking about black history. How do we talk about, yes, it's an American focus and Americans, mm-hmm. and we are an American school. At the same time, it matters in the larger global context. And so we've had a lot of those conversations. I think in some ways, talking about March as Women's History Month is easier because there's a natural segue due to the 8th being International Women's Day. And so... Mm-hmm. That's that's also kind of interesting um, in terms of how we frame for our students here. But but I think, you know, students are getting it. They realize, like, they actually understand intersectionality, I think, way better. Yeah. And that what happens in one community impacts another community. And, you know, the idea of your struggle is my struggle and so on. Um, one of the things that I was looking in, in terms of working with kids and thinking for this episode is just revisiting what the heck International Women's Day is and, like, why it started um, and just the focus of that. And so. So uh, I don't know how you feel about Gloria Steinem because there's some various things with her um, that are complicated. But she has this quote on the website for International Women's Day that says, The story of women's struggle for equality belongs to no single feminist nor to any one organization, but to the collective effort of all who care about human rights. And I actually really like that framing um, in terms of all of us having buy-in, all of us needing to learn about this because it matters to the bigger picture. Kind of like we said last month, um, Black history is history in, in yeah, American history. Yeah, it just history. is. Mm-hmm. Black history is just history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so thinking about this in this context as well, uh, did you notice that the theme is choose to challenge? I, You brought that to my attention, and I absolutely love it. I love it. I, um, because are you going to get it like cross-stitched anywhere? Cause that would I really mean, signal how much really cross-stitch that I, um, it, <laughs> it makes me think of the SNL sketch from last week where like the girlfriends were giving their friend for her birthday, all these really funny signs <laughs> from like yeah. home goods awesome. and yeah, get that cross-stitched everywhere. Get it just tattooed. Mm-hmm. straight to your so body a lower back tattoo might be nice Ooh, I mean, those, yeah those have gone out of style I might be bringing them back so you've heard it here first folks hope is going to be bringing back the lower <laughs> back tattoo with the yeah. international women's day theme yeah Choose the challenge yep yep any exactly. any embellishments around it or just the word are you gonna go classic or are you gonna like bring some flavor to it that's a good question. I mean, I, I'm naturally, you know, leaning towards like flowers because it's a little bit less Obviously. appropriation than like mm-hmm. than like tribal. You don't want to get into there because, you know, values mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I mean, so, the suspense is killing me. 
<laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll post some pics, you know, once I, once I get that sorted out. So in thinking about choosing to challenge, I mean, I just love that language anyway. So there, the consciousness of that choice, like making a decision to embrace challenge, but also to challenge. I mean, the English nerd means like, oh, you're going out and you're doing something. It's very yeah. action oriented. Mm-hmm. What do you think about when you hear that phrase? So I, same, right. I think about it is, um, it is really hopefully motivating people to think about how they are celebrating women's history month and the international, um, women's day in a different way, right. That it's more, it's a verb rather like it's an action, Mm -hmm. um, call to action. I also think it's making me think about um, who we are highlighting and with intentionality, mm-hmm. right? I, I like, I want to highlight the challengers in women's history. Mm-hmm. I want to highlight the women that have, um, throughout history challenged the status quo, challenged the system, um, highlight those women that are oftentimes forgotten when history is being yeah. taught, um, right. And, and those people, those women that really pushed us forward, it's so interesting because as you're talking, I'm thinking about um, – we just had a book club discussion with um, March, the John Lewis book, and we were talking about nonviolent resistance and how there was intentional um, training around that, right? So training to deal with the, some of the worst hate ever um, and violent action against them in order – and then to just not respond. Um, and so it made me think a little bit about that, right? To what extent are the women that we look to challengers in the sense that they at- intentionally were like, you know what? I'm going to go challenge this situation. And how many were put into that situation because – because life, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. privilege, because lack of privilege, because of all these different things that are mm-hmm. influential. And then sometimes you're just in a moment and the only thing you can do is to challenge versus when you're like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to step out here. I'm going to take this risk. Yeah. Um, yeah where, I, I think about that. Where like by, put, by placing themselves into a space that was not meant for them. Yeah. Like I, that quote of like their existence was resistance. Just like just merely existing in that space was placing them in a space of resistance, right? That they're, they mm-hmm. embodied, were symbolic of this movement of resistance. And I think That's about good. how many of the people that we highlight during, you know, Black History Month and Women's History Month, is that the case for, right? Mm-hmm. By, just, by just merely existing in this space, yep. they were placed into this position of being a challenger and a resistor and they were kind of thrust into that that place by just merely wanting to exist in a space that wasn't meant for them Mm -hmm. so let's talk about some of these uh women that you are thinking of or that we look up to or we admire we've got some really great recommendations from our listeners as well that will include who comes to mind first for you so are you Speaking like of the the challengers we aspired. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about when you think about folks that are that you've learned over the years? I don't know. I don't know. Like in your own journey, are are there names of people that you didn't know a few mm-hmm. years ago or more recent years, or just someone you've always looked up to? So I think um, I always err to the side of like women in politics and government I think that they what shock I mean shocker I mean but talk about somebody their existence in a space that was not created for them like a men's club like politics are it um 
And so Patsy Takamoto Mink, um, also because she was Japanese American, um, she was the first woman of color elected to Congress in 1965, which I just think is awesome. Um, she fought for social welfare and civil liberties. She wrote the Title IX um, legislation, which is um, creates equality and equity, and that's it creates equity within the school systems between. Um, boy and girl like activities, right? So the fact that a school has to invest exactly the same amount of money into female sports as male sports in the school system, that is Title IX. She wrote that. And then after she passed away, they renamed it after Mm -hmm. her. Um, So that is how much she was involved in that. She really, she wrote the Early Childhood Education Act, the Women's Educational Equity Act, and then she was the first Asian American to run for president, which I th- also awesome. th- thought was like a pretty cool um, note to make. What about you? Um, well, one of the things I was thinking about in prep for the episode is just how lucky we are in Tacoma to have mm-hmm. so many amazing women in positions of leadership. And specifically, I want to shout out some of the black women. We have a black mayor, a black school superintendent, and the only black woman who ever served on the Washington State Supreme Court, Helen Whitner. Um, we also have just a ton. There's about six women, I want to say. I was just looking at it before the episode who are part of the Supreme Court. Anyway, we mm-hmm. have so I mean you can list way more than I can I think but I was just thinking a lot about how lucky we are and what conditions have um, occurred in Tacoma to put to to create space for that and also just like the fact that these women are willing to take on the challenge um, and put themselves mm-hmm. in those spaces yeah I think um absolutely there's a woman named Helen Stafford when I was doing research for this episode I found um UW Tacoma has this amazing kind of Tacoma civil rights page that has links to just so many resources about um, the movers and shakers of Tacoma and the Mm -hmm. history of civil rights in the Tacoma area. And one woman really stood out to me, Helen Stafford. She was a black community leader and she lived through depression era Tacoma and was just Mm -hmm. a huge advocate for civil rights in the Tacoma area. And they have this amazing, um, there's a full essay that you can read about her, but also an oral history. So an interview with her that you can listen to, which as a also history nerd on top of government and politics nerd, <laughs> it just really speaks to me. And um, and so just there's such a rich history of um into yeah, like you said, like in Tacoma of these resistors um that absolutely are worthwhile to look into and research. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and maybe a challenge for listeners is wherever you're listening, take some time. I mean, maybe go to your library or speak to your librarian in your neighborhood. Um, uh, just about like the, your own history and the history of your community. Who are the women that have made change, that have stepped up, that have taken risks? Uh, maybe they're spoken about. Maybe they're not talked about at all and not celebrated or not focused on. Just take some time and, and find out who those people are in your own community. I think it's really important to share their stories with other folks and to know them ourselves, to, to know who they are. Um, some of our listeners had some really great suggestions. One suggestion that came up um, was a woman named Erica Hart. And this person is queer queer. 
non-binary black woman who is a sexuality educator and activist. And so I, I'm going to link to their Instagram in um, our show notes. And just the work that they're doing is just so fantastic. The conversations. Um, this person is also a breast cancer survivor and just is so inspiring and interesting and challenging. So I really want to recommend that work um, was suggested by one of our listeners. Absolutely. Another um, another one suggested from our listener is Dolores Huerta. Um, she was a labor leader and civil rights activist. She worked alongside Cesar Chavez. Um, she was a co-founder of National Farm Workers Association. She was also a teacher, um, but we'll link to some of her work in the show notes as well. So you can go take a look at her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another rec was Alberta King. You know, Dr. King's mom, like, I don't know why we don't talk more about her and the work that she did in the civil rights movement leading up to it. I mean, there's just so much. I think sometimes we think about these moments in time and in history and, and we look to certain iconic leaders and we talk about them only. We don't realize that it's really not about one person. It was a team of people, a group of people, organizers together leading the work. I was talking to some kids about Bayard Rustin this last week. And it's just like, no, you forget that there's everybody asa- yeah. alongside Dr. King that came before him, that came after him, that were part of this movement, which were even made it possible. Um, so another person that got recommended to me was Claudette Colvin. And she's a 15-year-old, some of you might have heard of, who refused to give up her seat um, at the back uh, in a bus to a white woman. And it was re- about nine months before Rosa Parks. So mm-hmm. we often look again to Rosa Parks. There's a lot of reasons why she was chosen um, to be the leader in the sense, uh, and everyone focus on her, um, which yes. we could go into. Which, Some right, controversial things. It, it, that, it always, whenever I think of Claudette, I always think about what we talked about in our last episode around Black History Month. of Black History Month um, was created to center white comfort and the civil rights movement, um, the black leaders of the civil rights movement oftentimes made decisions um, that were strategic in order to center white comfort. And Claudette Colvin, um, she was a 15 year old who had a child out of wedlock. And so they felt Mm -hmm. like she was less sympathetic. And so they chose not to capitalize on that moment and ended up choosing Rosa Parks. And so it just, I always think such emblematic of the, the centering of white comfort, right? Like the having to think about how are white people going to, um, ingest this information, take in this information. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the comfort? Um, we were just listening to the Megan Rapinoe uh, autobiography this last week or memoir. And one of the things she's explicit about is she's like, I'm allowed to talk about, you know, as even though I'm talking about like gay rights, I am still like female. I'm white. I'm like people find me mostly comfortable. And she goes on on that in her book, which I was really excited to hear. And she's just yeah. like, Colin didn't have this. And she just, I mean, she, many of us who know her work, like have heard her say that in speeches, but she really goes in on it and is very, very open and very explicit about the yeah. fact that she's been handed um, while being challenged. Um, she also understands the privilege that she's had because she looks that particular way yeah. and because of her gender as well. And I, yeah. I want to be, I want to note something about that and, and Claudette Colvin that it's centering white ally comfort. Um, to be clear, because regardless of who was chosen in the civil rights movement, white people that were resistance, resistant to the civil rights movement were not going to like whoever they chose. So it's constantly thinking about, OK, who are white allies going to be most comfortable with? And if you read the, read the letters from a Bur- Birmingham jail, 
from MLK. He's, he talks about how, yeah. you know, we're it, the, um, the white allies are the ones that are, um, the most dangerous to the movement. And I think about Megan Rapino and what you just said, right. It's like, how, it's like, how are you giving your message to the people that are potential allies, mm-hmm. right? Like to digest and the comfort of that and and who white allies um, choose to support and who choose not to. And so to our listeners who I would, I would assume are predominantly people that identify as allies to these movements, um, really consciously decentering yourself in the conversation and really having to consciously decenter yourself and um constantly right like it's not about you just have that mm-hmm. constantly playing mm-hmm. for yourself well and it's interesting to your point like nobody there are uh, anytime you resist and challenge the status quo people aren't going to like it Right. So your allies aren't going to like it. And then your haters aren't going to like it, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting to think about. I mean, I think on the one hand, like as I'm listening to you, I'm kind of wrestling with what you're saying, because I think on the one hand, you know, you have to be strategic about the work. Right. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, everybody's going to find something to complain about. (laughs) You know, it doesn't matter. And we've talked numerous times on this podcast about even like the um, the anti-fascist work that we've done in Tacoma and like people that are comfortable are not going to be happy with it, no matter what, like what it looks like. If it looks yeah. like moms, they're not going to be happy about it. If it's going to be, look like a light skinned person that, you know, fits this mold, not going to be happy about it. Right. And so I think when do you use that strategically? Because I, I don't think when I look, I mean, I'm not going to say I understand everything that has happened in the past or even now, but I look at the way folks are strategizing in these different movements, I do think there's something to be said about the way that they're choosing to do it, right? But yeah. one of the things I think that's interesting about the last few years and even the rights around like LGBTQ plus um, folks is that the the challenging even of, of what that perception is and to your point, um, just shifting people's level and saying, you know, it's okay that this doesn't look comfortable yeah. and it's okay not to be comfortable. And so then how do we... I don't know. How do we move ourselves forward? I I feel like I'm not making any sense. I don't know if I'm making any sense. No, I think it is. I think that the focus, truly the work for if you are sitting with privilege um, is to constantly be aware of making sure that your focus is on one, how you're feeling about your reaction and making sure that you're not a barrier to the work that's being done by Mm -hmm. the communities that Mm -hmm. are trying to move Mm -hmm. us forward. And Mm -hmm. two, how are you channeling your own privilege and power to call out other people with privilege and power that are barriers and are getting in the way of the work, right? Mm -hmm. So I think for me, when I was saying it's less about analyzing um, how marginalized communities are trying to move themselves forward and um, gain equity in systems that weren't built for them, but more so about like sitting with privilege and how are you making sure one, that you're not getting in the way and two, removing barriers um, for those communities that you claim to be allies with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Let's take a quick break and then come right back. Hello, friends. This is Marguerite Martin, creator of MoveToTacoma.com and co-founder of Channel 253. It's bad out there, folks. Home prices in Pierce County are up 15% year over year. 
while it's no secret that the market is hot, you may not know that Tacoma has been the hottest housing market in the country for several years. There is an extreme shortage of homes for buyers to buy. Having a local Tacoma buyer's agent that specializes in the neighborhood and price range you're after can mean the difference between losing or winning the bid on your dream home. If you're looking to sell your current home and find something that meets your needs better, having a neighborhood expert handle your listing will impact how much money you net off of your sale. The right agent to market and sell a home on the West Slope might not be the same person who has the expertise and connections to find you an income generating duplex somewhere else. All agents have specialties, and I know the players for every niche. Best of all, it doesn't cost you anything. Great local agents are happy to pay me a finder's fee if you end up buying or selling, and you can rest easy knowing you're gonna get a great agent who specializes in exactly what you're looking for. If you wanna learn more, visit movetacoma.com and use the contact form. Thanks for listening to Channel 253. As we hope um, to model in our conversations, uh, this is messy work <laughs> and yes. there are no right answers. And um, one of the things I enjoy about talking to you, Megan, is the ways that you help me challenge and rethink the things that I, I was thinking about before. So I'm thinking about all the things you're just sharing and like trying to reconcile that in my own life and practice and allyship and whatnot. Um, before we shift into the ways that we ourselves want to be challengers, not just this month, but for maybe the rest of 2021, at least, mm -hmm. um, is there anybody else that you would like to give a shout out to in terms of just amazing women that people should know more about? Um, yeah, so there is a black woman, Mary McLeod Bethune, Bethune. I don't know if I pronounced her name correctly, um, but she was an educator. She was a civil rights activist. She was a political advisor to multiple U.S. presidents, um, probably most notably Roosevelt. And she worked tirelessly to create um, programs and schools that provided education for Black students. And her focus was, and I love this quote, skilled um, schools for skilled, high-salaried positions in the labor market and total equity for Negroes in every facet of the American society. And she mm -hmm. specifically advocated for Black girls, and she had schools. She founded schools that were specifically for Black girls. Um, but she was absolutely ahead of her time, and she just fought so hard to um, provide education. And she believed so deeply that education was the way to um, create the framework for equity. So she was fantastic. We'll have more information about her in the show notes as well. I love that. Uh, one final person I would like to uh, recognize or recommend is uh, from one of our favorite listeners. What up, Tarman? Um, <laughs> Commandante Romana of the Zapatistas. So essentially, uh, she was part of the organizers who fought against the patriarchy and actually made a difference. So after the revolution, um, they all of these women were actually able to challenge the status quo and like make real change. And apparently, the men were not happy about it. <laughs> so shocker. <laughs> Shocker. So, <laughs> but they kept persisting anyway, and they made real change in their community. So I think that's pretty amazing. Um, and I, I'm told that I should 
should also recommend a, a book by Hillary Klein called Compañeras, and it talks through this story and this moment in history. So we'll link to that and highly recommend folks add that to the book list. We are so lucky to have so many educators and like educated people listening to our podcast that can suggest all of these lesser known um, like parts of international history. Like I'm mm-hmm. constantly impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it goes back to what we were saying earlier, right? Like we should know the people in our neighborhood and in our community and how do we make connections like across the world, right? These women that have fought for things around the world also impact us and their stories not only are inspiring, but can help give us guidance and leadership in the work that we're doing in our own communities. So with that said, uh, how are you going to choose a challenge? Um, so I C2C is my short version of this. Should I get a shirt C2C? It's time Um, for a joke in the, in the podcast, but actually seriously, seriously, I would, I would um, buy that shirt. (laughs) So I, as I think as a history teacher, I have the wonderful opportunity to be very intentional with how we frame conversations around these topics in my classroom. Um, I teach about the 19th amendment. That is part of my course curriculum and course content. And um, every single time I teach about it, I am very explicit and my students can, after we work through, like work through it and learn it, they can tell me, well, the 19th amendment gave white women the right to vote, right? And so they make that stipulation and we talk about that, right? Of um, we have to tell the truth about women's suffrage. Yes, it is a powerful, powerful narrative, but we have to be honest about um, the history of it and the history of the deal that white suffragettes made with white supremacists. And it was a backroom deal. And it was that they were going to box out women of color in order to get the right to vote. That was a part of the deal was that they were going to leave out women of color and specifically black women from that and that they would not be a part of that. Um, And so we have, if, if we are talking about it, we have to include that component because it's part of our history and it's part of the narrative. And, um, so that's a way of like really emphasizing that with my students. I always do. I, what I would love to do this year a little differently is to include the black women that were advocating and protesting at the same time. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. So not only being like, oh, the 19th amendment gave white women the right to vote, but also, teach them about the black women that were Mm -hmm. doing the work as well Mm because they exist and they were there and they are part of our history. Um, And so I want to be more explicit about teaching my students about them. Mm -hmm. Yes. Let me tell you a story of I used to, and now I, um, uh, there a few years ago, I taught Springboard, which is like a curriculum by College Board, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, in that book, they've got some great stuff in there. And in their effort to be like inclusive, they have a speech by Susan B. Su- wow. Susan B. Anthony. There we there go. There it is. Sorry. It. <laughs> I was just like, ah. um, and I remember like the first year I taught that I had a couple students, black boys who were like, Miss Teague, isn't she kind of like saying this kind of like derogatory thing there's like this one line that's really disturbing and I was like yeah she is but da, 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 you know like and I I was trying to acknowledge them but I, I didn't really honestly I didn't know what to say and I was yeah. like you're right and then 
you know, what else is she saying to, you know, of course, you know, people are complicated. And I kind of like dusted off like that. Right. And I had a good relationship with the students. And they're like, OK, you know, people are complicated, but she's messed up. And I was like, yeah, it's true. But like, I didn't I didn't know what to do with that. Right. Yep. And so there was room in the class for them, of course, to like push back and talk about it. And when they wrote about it, like they were able to to push back. Right. So I don't think I was trying to do anything like I just wasn't proactive. Right. Yep. And so the next year when I taught it, I was like, Ding, ding, ding. Let's talk about this. <laughs> Let's right? and so, unpack this. Yeah. And so as a, yeah. as a teacher, I made the choice and I was more intentional because I just also didn't know. Part of it was I didn't know. Part of it was I didn't take enough time to know. Right. So yeah. I, I kind of wrestled with that on my own mm-hmm. self. But the next year, I was much more intentional about it. And we talked about it explicitly. And like you said, I pulled in some articles about black women who were fighting alongside for their right to vote. And so we read those in connection with each other. And then we were able to put them in conversation and talk about it as a more holistic picture. And so yep. I think even as an example for, <laughs> for listeners, like now I'm a, I, you know, whenever someone brings up the white the women's right, for, I'm like, white women, like yep. I just let's shift it over here. And the kids are like, yep. I just did that last week. And the kids are like, what is happening, Misty? Yeah. Just be honest, guys. That's what it is. Right. It's just like it's being um, history isn't right or wrong. It just is. Right. Like it is. It just is what happened. And I think that really focusing on the facts and then allowing students to have conversations and like having inquiry based lessons around that is really, really powerful Mm -hmm. Um, because they're going to get it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's oftentimes when you only present one side of the story, like it's not going to elicit much interesting or fascinating or powerful conversation. But the moment you start to bring in more powerful secondary sources, Mm -hmm. (laughs) all of a sudden they have so many thoughts and feelings and opinions, Mm -hmm. which I think is powerful. So I Mm -hmm. agree with you. Um, And also it just makes me think it's the more you know, the better ally you can be. Right. Like, um, a way to challenge is you have to educate yourself first, right? Mm -hmm. Like that is, I think the first step of how you can challenge these things, right? That choose to challenge theme. Um, you have to know what you're talking about, right? Like you have to know Mm -hmm. the history, you have to know Mm -hmm. what's going on in order to advocate and fight. Um, Mm -hmm. And so making sure that you're going to the right resources and that you are going to the right pages and you are hearing the right stories and you are hearing a diverse amount or set of stories. Um, One that I really want to highlight of an area that I hope people really focus on for this Women's History Month is Black trans women. Um, Mm -hmm. They are some of... The um, they are a community that is in, I believe, one of the highest dangers in our country. Um, they are being attacked and murdered at a significantly higher rate than many other communities. Mm. Um, and so being intentional this March of, okay, how do I support that, right? Like, how do I support the communities or movements to protect these women? Yeah. Um, how can I find organizations to donate to? Um, yeah, I, I think that that's also going to be a part of my March. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um, I was thinking too, like just on a, on a very, um, 
day-to-day practical level. Like, what are the ways that I think about and engage with other women in my neighborhood, in my school, in my classroom? And just being really intentional this month to celebrate the women around me. So to send the note to the person that I don't think about sending a note to very often to, you know, uh, like if you can give people gifts, like just recognizing, I think, so full disclosure, my love language is very gifts oriented <laughs> and verbal. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, my suggestions are that. But um, I think just taking the time to be intentional, to thank the women in your life for the contributions they've made to making you a better person, to challenge you to, to recommending a book, like whatever it is, I think we need to um, do better. And I say we as women identified people that mm-hmm. we do better at recognizing what others are doing and really intentionally trying to support them um, and not the self like that self like getting rid of self-doubt getting rid of um, being intentional about getting rid of just language that tears people down you know mm-hmm. that we bicker sometimes about or that we talk you know even the bad self-talk right so if there's no other time in the year how about this year you stop with that negative self-talk um, whether it's about your body or the, your profession or whatever it is um, and then how do you elevate other women around you and so I've just been thinking a lot about that like on a very like micro scale as well. That's part of my goal this month. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that, the negative self-talk. And um, Wait, you love the negative self-talk? No, like what you said about it. <laughs> Whew, no, I do not love, the, but like what you said you. about it, the, the focus on it. Um, that's a really we crucial that, clarification. Right? We, Absolutely. We do that about ourselves. And then honestly, I think we do that about other people. Even when we, even though when we admire somebody, let's be honest, there'll be times where you yeah. you might say something that just like, it's unnecessary. So how do we condition ourselves? Yes. Just not, it's not positive. It doesn't actually help us be better thinkers, people, whatever. Like, like, Take what people have to offer, listen, you know, integrate into your own life and and just move past the negative stuff, I guess. There's so much negativity. Yeah. I, I just feel like this is a big part of this month is yes. getting rid of some of that. I also think as women, and I know that this is not a revolutionary statement, but Uh-oh. focusing on how often you apologize um, <laughs> and say I'm sorry. I was just talking to some women about this. Um, I... And it was easier when we were in person teaching. Um, I'll be honest, but I would talk to um, my female students about this often of don't apologize. Stop apologizing. Like, you don't need to say I'm sorry. You don't need to say I'm sorry for existing. Like, don't say the words I am sorry unless you actually have something real that you are sorry for. Mm -hmm. Um, And oftentimes women are taught that they just have to apologize for existing and taking up space. And so that's one that I, I work on with myself all the time. I apologize a lot. Um, but also encouraging the women around me to stop doing like, to stop apologizing. Um, Mm -hmm. so we've talked a bit about, right. Like as to, um, female identifying people, how we are going to choose to challenge how if you like men that are listening to this episode, (laughs) right. And they're like, wait, so how can I choose to challenge? How, how can I choose to challenge? How can I manifest this, this theme this year? What suggestions would you give to them? I was not prepared for this question. Um, (laughs) I I, I really sprung this on you. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
I just go back to there's a reason that misogyny exists. There's a reason that the patriarchy, patriarchy, wow, I can't even talk. You got it. It exists, okay? The reason is because people created it and they uphold it. And so the people in the same way that white supremacy is upheld by white people and it's the work, I honestly feel like it's the work of dudes to be engaged in this and to do that work. Like unless they're on board, unless they're actively fighting alongside us, obviously women leading the way, but it's not going to change. It's not going to change. The stereotypes around women aren't going to change. Equal pay is not going to change. I mean, I, again, listening to the Rapina book this last week, she talks a lot about what a difference it made when the men's team started, like the men's national team actually like went on their side and was like defending them for equal pay. Like what? Like why do, why do we need that? But also we need that. And so I think People, men, people who identify as men, you need to take a moment where you're really look look around. Like, how are you upholding the patriarchy in your own personal life, in your relationships, in your workplace? You know, what kinds of things do you say that are really not funny and really not a joke and just reinforce the nonsense? How do you actually feel? Like, and if there's real work, there's probably a lot of real work to be done in your own life, too, to to deal with that, like, internalized um, power and just all the things that are kind of involved with that. Um, And so I think... Yeah, you got to you got to start doing some of that work. What would you say? Yeah, I agree with everything that you just said. I also think that really being conscious and aware of where your privilege manifests in all areas mm-hmm. of your life and and using that privilege in order to amplify the work of women that are fighting against it, right? And I think that um men really really have been taught that they are the heroes of the story, right? We talked about in um, the Black History Month episode, and I really like have been reflecting on and dissecting this kind of idea of the the hero, um, hero, villain, or victim, right, narrative. And Mm -hmm. I think that men, and particularly white men in all areas have been taught that they are the heroes of the story. And I think that oftentimes like the choose to challenge men will think that that means that they need to be the heroes in the story. And I really want to challenge um, if you feel that way, that like that's your, that's not needed. You need to make space for women to be the heroes of the story. Mm-hmm. Um And so thinking about how that is and if that feels uncomfortable to you, why does that feel uncomfortable to you, right? If like that you are not the highlight, you are not the hero, um, why is that a challenge for you, right? And that's because you have benefited from a very like a patriarch, the system of the patriarchy and misogyny and um, I get it, right? It's really nice to be seen as a hero. <laughs> like it's really wonderful to be seen as like the hero to the story and the savior. And um, but it's not helpful. You can't be my hero, baby. No, baby, don't be my hero. <laughs> um, yeah, we don't. As you were talking, need it. <laughs> as I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about the difference between heat eating <laughs> and amplifying. Oh. So episodes ago, ages ago, um, so do you remember? Angie, J- Angie, why well, cannot talk? Annie Jansen brought up heap eating, and I was like, "What's heap eating?" And hopefully, everybody knows the guy who's repeating heap eating. Get it? Um, <laughs> it's so good. It's so but it's good. not good. That's the whole thing. It's not good. It's so but I think there's a so much better between... than mansplaining. <laughs> 
Well, it's those are different, right? They they're, are. they're Venn they diagrams overlap, different. but they're they're different issues. Yeah. Um, but I think even that's one subtle thing, right? So don't heap heat or mansplain, like amplify, right? And so that's a, there's a subtle difference. If you need some help, send us a DM and we'll help you through it. But yes. I, I think there's a there's a, a difference in that and giving credit to where credit's due. That's part of the amplification. I heard so and so say da 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 da. Do you want and like passing it back to that person? Yeah. I mean, there's just like little things that you can do that I think are part of that in the workplace, at home, et cetera. So, right. so I just want to throw that out there. And that right, that gets back to like the creating space, mm. right? Using your privilege to create space, but also knowing when to and how to create that space and then just walk away and allow, mm -hmm. like, right? It's um, oh my gosh, heat heating. That's hilarious. <laughs> Okay, um, we are not going to do a champagne real pain segment today. I think we've passed out enough shade and secretly drunk some champagne along the way. But uh, final segment. Interchangeable. White ladies. Do your fudging homework. So I think we've given a lot of homework this episode yeah. on the DL here, don't you? Yeah. But are there any other resources that we'll link to that you definitely want people to go check the show notes for? Um, honestly, I found so many good resources on the womenshistory.org website, like fantastic, rich, wonderful, um, resources. There's an entire page, anti-racism in women's history, where there's endless resources. I also, um, shout out to my amazing co-host. There is a roller derby history page that I have linked, um, in the show notes. She is embarking on that awesome rad journey right now getting back into it and so I saw that page and just thought it was the coolest um it's really interesting like I didn't the know most, that like stuff. the best right like the best symbolism for women empowerment I mean um so anyways just go take a look at some of those resources in terms of like just educating yourself but also um resources that you can pass on to other people in your life mm -hmm. One final comment I want to make um, that I was just thinking about and I hadn't brought up earlier is if you find yourself excited about Women's History Month and you're like, I want to look at all these resources, I'm going to learn all this stuff about women, but you couldn't get that excitement up about Ooh, Black History Month is. last month, I just want to say you need to sit with yourself for a little bit and have an honest conversation about why you're excited about women's history, but you couldn't get excited about black history last mm. month. Okay? And, and there are some more months ahead, so you'll have lots yeah. of time to integrate. And which women you really on. get excited about learning about. Mm -hmm. And the type of work that you get excited about learning about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So with all that said, thanks, listeners. We will catch up with you again soon. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Hope. Bye. Bye. Did you know Channel 253 is member supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. Can we take another picture? Because I don't know if I really enjoyed that one that we took. <laughs> Wait, do you not look cute or what? Megan's all trying to look cute all the time here on these pictures. The Interchangeable White Ladies podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer. Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, We Art Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.